Good morning again. Why not find your seat? And, uh, and while you're doing that, if you're wondering what Christian Diamond looks like, this is a little picture of him and his family. Uh, maybe you can't quite see, but that, that's the guy that the, the Seria A was, uh, what it was, I know. Seria A, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's Christian Diamond and uh, another plug for Alpha. Good morning again. Now, as Anna mentioned, we started a series about courage recently because the idea is that we're all facing the need for courage right now in some area. It'll be different for all of us. It could be courage to start something, something that needs to happen. It could be courage to, uh, to change something, something needs need to change. It could be courage to face something that's, that's going on in work or in health, whatever it could be. I, I had to go to the dentist this week and have a little filling, and that required courage. And, and we felt that coming into this year, 2020, as a church, that Jesus is inviting us into more courage. A few years ago, I was given the opportunity to go out with a team to India and support a church and a charity out there. And it was near a leprosy colony, and we were going to be going in there most days. And initially, I thought that was just the best idea. I was so excited. I'm sure I've got all these skills to bring to the table. Like I'm going to be helpful in so many ways. But as the time got closer and closer, I started to doubt that I had anything good to bring. I don't speak the language. I don't know the culture. Um, I'd Googled leprosy at that time, and that wasn't very helpful. And uh, in fact, the closer I got, I was like, will I make things worse by going over to India? What struck me in that experience, and a lot of times since that moment, is this ability that I think we all have to portray something on the outside, but on the inside, we're feeling something completely different. And so I might have looked really brave and courageous heading out to India, but what I felt, if I'm honest, I felt weak, I felt nervous, I felt insecure, and I felt afraid. Today, I want to explore what courage looks like when we'd rather hide. When the things just feel too big and we want to retreat, what does courage look like? So far in this series, if you're just joining in, we've been journeying through the Old Testament of the Bible and we've been looking at some of the heroes of the faith. We've looked at Moses and Joshua and we've been discovering that courage is formed in us. That it's formed in us. It doesn't come in one big moment like this great revelation. It's, it's a, a life that God calls us into in the small decisions day after day. We've seen again and again that normal people encounter the living God and do incredible things. And so we've said that courage is found in God's presence. That's where courage is. Each time we've seen that courage is found in community, that we can borrow courage from each other, that we need each other. Um, and uh, we've also found that we don't get courage by running away from things God's asking of us, but as we take a step, as we step out. And today we're going to look at Gideon. And uh, I love Gideon. He's an incredible guy. And his story actually only appears in a couple of chapters in the Bible, a book called Judges. If you've got a Bible, it's like this seventh book in the Bible. And again, this is written over 3,000 years ago, uh, hundreds of years before Jesus even. 
And um, God's began his rescue plan, his rescue plan for us. And, you know, we've celebrated the Lord's Supper and remembering what Jesus has done. But that all started with this kind of plan that, that God took a people group, the Israelites. And, uh, and he, he kind of did incredible things in them that he would later do through Jesus in his life and death and resurrection. Now, Gideon, he lives in this moment when the Israelites are in this cycle of following God and ignoring God. And then they follow God and they ignore him. And a repeated phrase from that period is this. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And that's how Gideon's story starts. The Israelites have got problems at this point. Their problems are called uh, the Midianites. They're this nomadic tribe. And every year around harvest time, they would, would kind of ransack Israel. They would steal their food. They would kill all the animals. They would destroy the land and the possessions. And it was so bad that many people had just left their homes. They were living in caves. And they'd, they'd almost settled into this pattern of surviving rather than thriving. And what's interesting about Gideon, and something I really relate to in him, is, is there's parts of him that are pretty courageous. And then there's other moments he is just so full of fear. Like he's, he's full of courage because he's the only member of his family following after God. So everyone else is worshipping this, this idol, Baal, uh, if that's how you say it. And he's brave there. He's kind of standing up for following God. But then at the same time, he's hiding. He's very scared uh, of these bad guys. Um, and so he simultaneously has courage and fear. And I wonder if you know what that feels like. So Judges chapter 6 from verse 3, we're going to pick it up. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites the Amalekites and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land. They ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help first point this morning, when we're fearful, when we feel like hiding, whatever's causing that, whether it's work or health or relationships, lean into prayer. Lean into prayer. This repeated pattern through the book of Judges, like I mentioned, is like people remember God and things tend to go quite well and then they, they forget God and kind of think about themselves and then things go badly. And the only time the Israelites turn back to God is literally when they have nowhere else to turn. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen anymore. Well, no, of course, it, it can happen all the time. And, and we can get in that pattern. We only turn to God when there's nowhere else to turn. And the heartbeat of God is that he never turns his back on us. And so even when we turn away from him, there he's pursuing us with grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. Like that's part of the good news in this book of Judges. But first things first, we can learn to not wait so long. Not wait so long. Like invite God into the situations wherever we, we fear and where, wherever we might be hiding in fear. Let's learn to lean into God. And so personally, I wonder this morning, is there anywhere that you would be settling for less 
at the moment. Anywhere we're settling for less. Like maybe you read about Jesus and his offer of life and freedom and healing and power and transformation and eternal life and that his kingdom is here, but we've just settled for less. Because life's overwhelming and it's busy. And so fear can become the norm and we can settle for things not really changing around us or in the workplace. Maybe we've settled for a loveless marriage or maybe we've settled for anger to be our primary emotion. And when tough times come, instead of looking to God, we can think that he's against us. But these are actually opportunities to draw closer to him. So we meet Gideon and uh, we meet him in quite an unusual place. In um, Judges 6, it says this, Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, little details are helpful, and um, Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. That might not mean anything instantly. Maybe you're like, well, it's kind of confusing, wheat and wine presses. Like, what does that mean? Actually, it's ridiculous. So a wine press, as this picture shows, was a giant hole in the ground or a mountain, just a big hole like that. And what would happen, you'd put the grapes in and people would step on them and then the, the wine would like run out the side and you'd collect it. Uh, that's what you do. This is a picture from, let me tell you, the Hebron Mountains. This is an ancient wine press, basically a deep hole. Uh, wheat, though, would be threshed, if I can say that word properly, threshed. And uh, that's where you take out the bit that you can't eat to leave you the bit you can. And that would be done on a threshing floor like this. This is a Hebrew threshing, threshing floor. <laughs> Try that. It's, it's not that easy. Anyway, it's out in the open. And the key ingredient here is, uh, is the wind, actually. It needs to be open in the elements. And the wind would blow out the chaff, so the bit you don't want, and would leave the wheat, the bit you do want. And this is still used uh, in many parts of the world today. Big operation, open space. So... To try and get wheat out of a wine press, pretty hard, if not impossible. Historians have looked at this and concluded there's no way, really. I mean, maybe you could throw up little pieces if it was really windy and maybe a little bit of wheat would come out. They maybe think that he would have just blown it himself. So throw up and blow it and hope some wheat would come out. It's ridiculous. Really wouldn't work. Like, I don't know, making coffee in a thimble, something like that, or... Um, restoring furniture in a, in a little bathroom. It's, it's, it's a crazy idea. And Gideon's doing this because he's terrified. He's living in fear. He doesn't want the Midianites to know he's got wheat. He's hiding in a hole so he doesn't get caught, and he's failing in, um, in producing any wheat. And so we get this picture of Gideon from the introduction that he's maybe a little bit of a chicken um, in, in the way that he's threshing this wheat. But that's what fear does to us. Like fear really um, confines us. It makes us hide. It makes us keep our lives pretty small. It's hard to have hope if we live in fear. Um, fear can cause us to do some odd things. It can make us protect the little that we have. And so Gideon's not an action hero at this moment. He's not confident. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. Again, I can relate to this. Maybe you are not like the wheat thing, but the, the principle of it. And maybe you can. So what happens is God meets him in this place. And um, what we're going to see is uh, the angel of the Lord. And, and that was the kind of Old Testament way of explaining like God encountering someone. 
God meeting someone, and that's what happens. So picking this up from verse 11, the angel of the Lord came. Remember, they've been praying that God would change things. And sat down under the tree in Ophrah, that's not Oprah, which Lily said as well, uh, that belonged to Joash, the tricky word, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, and I love this, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I love that. Because I kind of imagine Gideon, and he knows he's being a bit of a chicken, and he knows that he's hiding, and suddenly someone's looking down at him and says, the Lord's with you, mighty warrior. You kind of wonder if it's sarcasm to start with. And, um, and I imagine you might feel a bit defensive if it was you, like everyone's hiding. Um, they're pretty scary out there. And that's exactly what he does. So he says, pardon me, my Lord, um, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the, his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord's abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Again, I just think that can be our response sometimes. When we get overwhelmed by the circumstances, we like ask, well, where's God? And we question him, and why has this happened? Has he abandoned us? Church numbers are declining. Uh, unemployment is rising. Um, mental health is like off the chart. And have you realized how depressing the news is? Like, God, what, what are you doing? Where are you? And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? So you've got Midian. So you've got Gideon hiding away. And first he's called a mighty warrior. And then he's told to like raise up that this mighty warrior is being called out of him to lead all of their people out of their problems. Like, wow. And Gideon replies, as I think many of us might do, he says, pardon me, my Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Second point, when we're fearful and we feel like hiding, is to lean into God's identity for us. See, God is speaking out Gideon's identity. He's not being sarcastic in any way. And as I've been reading this and thinking about it this week, I, I want to say to us here this morning that this is God's word to us. He wants to say, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I really felt he wants to call every person here this morning a mighty warrior. And whether we feel like it or not, whether we feel like God's with us or, or not, um, whether we feel full of courage or not, like we are a mighty warrior because God sees more in us than we see in ourselves. And God said, go in strength. I'm sending you. In other words, you've got a project to do. Uh, you've got a battle to win. You've got something to get through. You've got a person to bring hope to. And I'm preparing you. And now with me, let's go and do it. It's a really interesting moment that, that God calls him this, this warrior. And, and immediately what Gideon does, and I reckon we might do it as well, he just brings up all this insecurity and inner fear and all the self-doubt. It all just starts to arise up. 
And his reply, if you remember, is just, I'm not enough. And he gives a CV of excuses. I'm not enough. My family's not enough. Like I'm hiding away. And I wonder where in life do you sense God leading you at the moment? And maybe it's to take that step out and invite someone to Alpha. Maybe it's to step out and start a a new project that you've been meaning to do for ages. But each time you try and step out, you're like, I'm not prepared. Who am I? What can I do? Do I have enough? And I think all of us, and I'm calling us mighty warriors this morning, I think all of us go through this similar journey of fighting these battles. Any warrior has to fight the inner fears, the inner fear of failure, maybe. And so what are you afraid of at the moment? As I'm speaking, maybe like just think it through with yourself, with God. Are you afraid of failing? Because I know I, I am time to time. Afraid of falling short? That would be me. Uh, afraid of appearing weak? Like that's one of my fears. Um, not being able to provide for your family? Well, that wakes me up at night occasionally. Uh, letting someone down? Like that can paralyze me time to time. Being kind of a spiritual failure, yeah, I sometimes feel that. What are you afraid of? Because every warrior is going to have to fight this inner fear of failure and lean into God's identity for us. And it is incredible to know what God thinks of you. I don't know if you've ever done any like study or just looked through the words of Jesus and the words of the Bible that speak of you. The promises that he has for you, the identity he has, it's incredible. The things that he wants us to take hold of. One of the reasons that church is so important is that we're here to encourage each other, to put courage in. Uh, Someone from Vineyard 53 shared this with me the other day, that the word uh, encourage is just all over the New Testament, like in all the letters to the church and letters to leaders and letters to people, encourage, encourage, encourage. And, and the root of that word is courage, we're talking about. And the prefix, the bit before, is N. And N in Latin means to put in. So when we encourage, when we point people to Jesus, when we, we spot the good thing in someone, we're literally putting courage in them. And in the same way to discourage, well, the root word again is courage, and the prefix is dis. Um, And dis means to pull away. It means to take out. And so when we discourage, we're taking the courage out of someone. When we meet on a Sunday, when we meet in small groups, when we meet at events, let's take the author of Hebrews' advice. He says this, he says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Like Gideon, for all of us, God doesn't call us what we are at this moment. He calls us what we can be. He calls us what we're becoming. He doesn't see the present tense. He sees who we will become. I love that. Let's hold on to our correct identity. And and third, when we're fearful, when we feel like hiding, know that in Jesus we have everything we need to fight and win. See, Gideon, as we first meet him, he has a picture of a distant, not very caring, not very powerful, small view of God. And one of the consequences of living like that 
is you live in a world without dreams or possibilities uh, or that anything can actually change. And so as things are today, they'll be tomorrow and they'll be the day after. And so my habits and my flaws, my failures, my relationships, my problems, I'll just have to settle. Threshing wheat in a wine press. Problems too big in my neighborhood, my school, community and world. I'll just survive. That's how fear makes us think. What's your image of God this morning? How big a picture do you have of him? Uh, J.B. Phillips, Christian theologian, wrote brilliantly in the, in the 50s and before that. He wrote a book entitled, Your God is Too Small. And it's a small book. So if you ever come across it, pick it up and read it. And he just highlights the unreal images of God that we could hold. That make out God to be too small. And then in turn, we fear everything. And... Um, his advice is to, to see how big God is. A.W. Tozer, another amazing Christian author, extends this thought. The most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. So when that word is buzzing around your mind, what does it conjure up? What is your picture of God? So God appears to Gideon. And what's the rationale for him being the man? Is it his natural charm and his good looks? Is it his qualifications? Is it the, the kind of skill set he's got? No, not at all. God doesn't highlight those things to you or me or Gideon. He says this, the Lord answered, I will be with you. I'll be with you. And we've seen this every week around courage. Courage is found in God's presence. Not just for Gideon, but for us as well. And what's unthinkable, what seems impossible on my own becomes possible when God is with us. On my own, I'll be in trouble all the time. I can't even find my car keys on my own. And so God says, I think he says it to us, go in the strength you have. I've given you everything you need. I will be with you. Those are the words he said to Gideon. You read Peter in the New Testament. He writes this, God's power has given us everything we need to lead a godly life. All of this has come to us because we know the God who chose us. He chose us because of his own glory and goodness. We have enough strength in Jesus. We have enough power in him. We have enough of everything we need. And so we might feel small, might feel messed up. You can still be used by God. It's okay to be small. It may be even like um, a requirement of being used by God because it's not about me. It's about him in me. And so for Gideon, the, the story all kind of clicks up a gear at this moment. He begins, and it is slowly if you read it, he begins to see God as bigger. He begins to see that change could be possible, that maybe things could be different. And if you read on, the first thing God asks him to do is to tear down this altar that's built to this God's bowl. Baal? I don't know. Baal. 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 <laughs> and, Baal. and the Midianites were worshipping this, this God. The worship, if you look in the history books, was associated with like all kinds of superstitious things and child sacrifice and prostitution. And God's like, it's got to go. It's got to go. People need to remember me. And so Gideon has this task. He's got to tear down this idol. And if you read it, it's quite funny because he's a bit scared. It turns out that Gideon's dad had made the altar. And uh, you can imagine he's never stood up to his dad before, like I'm the least in my family. 
but he does it. Um, it says that he does it at night, like he's too afraid to do it in the daytime. Still a little bit of a chicken. I can identify with him. Um, but he has enough to, at night, when everyone's asleep, to go and destroy this, um, this false god. See, God's looking for obedient people who, when he speaks, are willing to step out in faith. Even if it takes us a bit of time and persuasion, and even if we're a little bit fearful and, and we, we do something at nighttime rather than in the day, uh, he is for us. And you'll read that destroying this altar makes that God look pretty weak and his dad and then all of Israel start to turn back to God. It's like amazing. It's like Gideon's bigger faith has this effect on other people. It touches everybody's um, hearts as well. And so the fourth thing, fourth point I want to say, when we're fearful, when we feel like hiding, take a step. Take a small step. We have the take a step flashlights. If you've never picked up one of those or read what they're about, would you take one of those even today um, and join in on Tuesdays when we, we take a step? A couple of quotes. This is um, Bethany Hamilton, athlete uh, who had to deal with a disability. Said, courage doesn't mean you don't get afraid. Courage means you don't let fear stop you. Someone here the other day told me about John Wayne, who starred in all those cowboy films. He was afraid of horses. And uh, his comment on that is, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. I love that. You see, life is full of things that can make us feel overwhelmed. Parenting, work, finances, relationships, health issues. Well, real courage involves facing those struggles and walking through them with God and others. I remember someone telling me, and it's always stuck in my mind, that the path to your greatest potential is often straight through your greatest fear. So your path to your greatest potential is often straight through the, your greatest fear. And I just think that's really true in my life. One of my greatest fears, if I'm honest, is being, being a leader. And I mentioned this last week, kind of standing up in, in front of people or leading people and not doing it well. That would be a fear of mine. And for some of us, there, there's a dream inside us, but fear is stopping us moving forward. For others, there's an addiction that needs to be faced and we need to go public with it, but there's this fear that's stopping us. Maybe God's inviting you into something new, but the fear's stopping so look at Gideon, and he has the big test, and um, I'm not going to spend long on it at all. I read it in your own time, because he actually does go up against the Midianites, and he does free the people. And, and it's ancient culture, and a lot of it was about battles, and that's kind of how they, they kind of understood God was in this battle kind of culture. And so it's kind of odd to read some of it. But um, God's strategy is to whittle down Gideon's army. And so he wants to get a big army with big weapons, and God whittles it down to about 300 people, and they're not even allowed to use weapons. They're only allowed to blow a horn and have a jar, which they throw on the floor. This is like God's instructions. It is unbelievable. It's the worst prep ever for like a battle. But Gideon, and he argues all the way, and he's like, he grumbles, and he's slow to act all the way, but he does the exact things God's asking. And if you read about the battle, it's incredible. They're outnumbered 450 to 1. They've got no weapons. They've got, they've got horns that they blow, and they've got jars that they throw on the floor. It's ridiculous. But within this, God kind of gives them the victory. 
And the Midianites um, kind of run off. They just are scared and they start hurting each other. And it's just a, a crazy story when you read it. But it's, it's, if you think about a battle, it's the best kind of battle you can imagine. Um, God just doing something in our midst and dealing with the fear and dealing with the problems that we face. And God has that kind of power. And it's just a wonderful analogy, I think, of spiritually what God wants to do in our lives. Were they afraid? Yes, they were. But I think our greatest victories um, and our greatest fears often go hand in hand. Okay, so we've got lean into prayer. Uh, Lean into our God-given identity. Know that in Jesus we have everything we need. Take a step. My last point was uh, just learn to put God first. And because the application of all of this is for us to start dreaming again. It's for us to start listening to the plans that God has for us. It's for us to realize how big our God is, that he has individual plans for us and, and plans as a church as well. And to partner with God, to put him first. Thank you.